Thank you guys. Good morning, Mountain Park. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you. I love road trips. How many of you love road trips? Hey, so quick pop quiz. Who knows what year that song won the Grammy for Best Country Western Song? 1980. And you're like, oh, 1965. 1980. See, you all were imagining it was older than you, not realizing how old you actually were. Yeah, so, uh, but that, you know, that song to me is proof that if you talk about a road trip, it doesn't matter what else you do. I don't know why that song is popular, except that it, uh, that it talks about road trips, personal opinion. But, uh, but I love road trips. How many of you have been on a road trip this summer? I went on a road trip. I've been on a road trip, and road trips for us are adventures because I have five kids. And so when you go on a road trip with five kids, it means you just adventure in a minivan, right? I mean, that's, that's what it is. And so uh, we took an adventure. We drove up to, uh, we drove through Nevada, stopped at the Hoover Dam. That was really cool. And then I drove up into Oregon, saw my brother and his new baby there. And then we went up into Vancouver, Washington and drove along the Columbia River Gorge. If, never you, if you've never been there, I encourage you to go. It's beautiful. There's all these waterfalls along the way. And then we stopped in Hood River and saw my wife's sister hung out with her and then we uh oh before we went to uh no after that after hood river we went through idaho and while we we're in idaho we stopped at a place called shoshone falls it might be shoshone falls anybody ever been there it's awesome it's right outside twin falls they call it the niagara of the west is this huge waterfall i'm just glad our kids didn't jump in it um and then uh, we drove on through utah we drove down and we stopped at capitol reef national park and then we hit bryce canyon how many of you have been to Bryce Canyon National Park? Isn't it awesome? Oh, man, I got some pictures. So we, we, we go to Bryce Canyon National Park, and, and uh, we go to this trail, and you'll see in that picture the, the lady in the green shirt. That's my wife, and you'll see some of my other kids around there. And, and, and I had this great moment where we walk up to this trail, and there's some different ways, and they, my kids, they look at this trail, and, and they see it, and they say, Dad, I want to go there. Dad, we want to go north. Can we go that way? Can we go that way? Please, we want to go that way. And I get to do the de- best thing as a dad that I can ever do which is I get to say, yes, yes, we can go down that trail that looks so awesome and cool that you want to do. And so we went down that trail and you, you do these switchbacks down right there into the canyon. And as you get into the bottom, the canyon narrows in a little bit so that you're walking in between these, these walls that are right in close to you. Um, and of course, my kids are climbing all over those rocks and, and, and we're having fun. And then the, the, it opens up into the bottom of the canyon and there's all these trees and these, these big, uh, these ponderosa pines. And, and some of you may know this, I didn't know this, but, but ponderosa pines, they smell just like vanilla cream soda. And if you, like, if you, next time you see one, go up, give it a hug and sniff it. Just don't let anyone see you. Right? And just smell it. It's so, so we're walking, and, and every once in a while the wind blew just right, and you would just, the air would just be filled with this aroma of vanilla. It was so sweet and so beautiful. And then, um, and then so because my kids like to climb trees, we got a picture in a tree there. Bonus points if you can find me. You see? <laughs> see? That's me making sure my kids don't fall out of the tree and break anything. So that's me being my dad. And, uh, 
And so then you keep hiking and, it, and you start to go up out of the canyon and, and then you get these beautiful views and, and the pictures don't really do it justice, but that's, that's one and then we have another one and it's just these beautiful red rocks and actually when you get rocks close, they're all different colors and then you have this view and you can see um, the different colors in there and you can see there's these hoodoos and all this stuff. It was just this, this amazing, really cool trip for me and my family where we, we, we really made some memories together. Well, well, we're in this series where we are looking at a road trip that took place 2,000 years ago. Um, 2,000 years ago with this guy named Paul and this guy named Barnabas. And we're taking a look at the road trip that we on. We're calling it Paul and Barnabas' first great adventure. They actually went on some other ones, but this is their first great adventure. And, um, and, and we kicked off the series uh, because we call it that because life with God, living a life for God, is a great adventure. We never know what God's going to do. We never know what he's going to call us to. He always is, has something for us, something, some way to it for us to experience him. Uh, and we have to be willing to follow that. And so it started when, with, with Alan the first week uh, talking about, and we're in Acts, it start, starting in Acts 13 as, as Paul and Barnabas are in a place called Antioch and, and God calls them to go on this road trip. And so Paul, uh, Alan asked us and he said, hey, what's your next great adventure? That, that God's not done with you, that just like he was calling Paul and Barnabas, he has an adventure for you to go on. He encouraged us to fast and pray and ask God what, what adventure he might have us on. And then we followed Paul and Barnabas to, to their first stop at Cyprus. And Don talked about how sometimes that adventure gets hard. It gets tough. There's opposition. And so when we're on that adventure, how do we persevere and stay focused on what God has for us? And then we followed Paul, Paul and Barnabas to Pisidian Antioch last week with David. And he talked about how, how we should know God's story so well that it, that it kind of serves as a roadmap for our adventure with God. Today, we're looking at Acts 14. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to go ahead and open that up. We'll start right there in chapter one. But what we're looking at this today is how do we make the most of our adventure with God? How do we experience everything that God has for us on this adventure? Because I think that sometimes we miss out on experiencing what God has for us. You know, we had a great time on our road trip as a family, but we had planned to do more. We had planned after Bryce Canyon to go to Zion National Park, but because of some choices we made, because of some things, we just couldn't squeeze it in. And so we missed that. And sometimes that happens in our walk with the Lord. And sometimes if we're not careful, we make choices and we end up missing an experience that he has for us. So how do we make the most of our adventure? Would you pray with me? Well, Lord, we um, come to you now this morning in the name of Jesus, and we ask for you to speak and lead us. And God, I'm, I have the words from the song we sang echo in my head, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. And I confess my need for you right now, Lord, that, that you would come and, and, and lead and guide and, and that you would speak through me. And I, Lord, I know that everybody walked in with a need today, and, and some people, they're very conscious of their need for you, that they're... They're very aware. They, they sang out, Lord, I do need you. I pray that you would meet them. And there are those today, Lord, who, who that need doesn't feel as strong. They may know it in their head, but they just don't feel that need for you. And there's others who maybe they don't even really know that they need you today. They're going through life doing it on their own, and, and they feel like they got everything in control. But you know the need that we all walked in with today. 
And I pray that you would meet that need, that you would speak to us right where we need to be spoken to, God. We open our ears and our minds. We want your guidance and your leadership. So we surrender to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're gonna start reading there, pick up this adventure in a place called Iconium. Um, but I've noticed that often when we read scripture, there's a little disconnect between the reality of scripture and our hearts. That we don't really connect to what's really going on in a, in a genuine, heartfelt way. Now, when someone tells us a story about a trip they went on, we tell you about Bryce Canyon, then, then, then we have a response to it, right? Like, I tell you about that story and you laugh or you think, oh yeah, that's fun. Or, oh yeah, I might like to do that. Or, you know, when someone comes, I have a friend, some friends who went to Iceland. And they post pictures on Facebook and, and, and I say, I want to go there, Right? That when, when people tell us about their adventures, they tell us about their road trips, it stirs something up in us. But often that doesn't happen when we read scripture. It's easy for us to read scripture and just go blah, 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 Paul, blah, 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 Barnabas, blah, 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 name I can't pronounce, blah, 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 God something, blah, 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 right? I mean, that's just, it's just sometimes when we're reading scripture, it's hard for us to connect to the reality in our hearts. And so I want to do something different today as I read um, the scripture, that in, instead of just reading uh, the scripture, which is a beautiful and wonderful thing to do, I want to do just something a little different. I want to I read this scripture as if I am Paul. And so I just want you to imagine for a moment that, that, that this is not a story about something that happened long ago in the past, but that Paul is coming to you today and sharing with you the story of his adventure in Iconium and Lystra and Derby. And I'm gonna take my glasses off, but my glasses are off, now I'm Paul. Yawn, Paul. Yawn, Paul. We we went to this town called Iconium, Barnabas and I, and, and as usual, we went to the synagogue where we shared about Jesus. And, and while we were sharing, we, 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 we were able to share the gospel so clearly in, in such a way that people truly understood what it meant so that there were these guys there and they were, who, were, who were, were followers of Yahweh who had dedicated their life to, to obeying the Torah and every letter of the, that law. And, and, and I'm talking and I watch as their, their minds are opened and they begin to understand that, that Jesus is the son of Yahweh. And, and that really Jesus and Yahweh are the same. And, and then there's these other, other, other guys there and I, I don't know what nationality they were. I know they weren't Jewish. I, they, they were Greek or Roman or, or something. I don't know, but they came in and I, they, 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 they smelled kind of funny, but they, they had, I know they worshiped all kind of different gods. I don't know if it was Zeus or Hermes or, or whatnot, but they came in and I'm talking and, and, and as I finish talking, these guys are saying, we want to build our lives on Jesus. With that Jesus that you're talking to us about, man, we want to turn our back on, on Zeus and everything and just build on this Jesus. It was amazing. I'm watching these guys to turn and give their lives. And, and, and then there's this other group, though, this group of Jewish people. They heard the same words that we said to everyone else, the exact same words but they just refused to believe. I don't know why, I don't know what was in their hearts, but they just, they decided they would not believe. 
And not only that, then they decided to go around and tell everybody else in the town and talk about us and poison their minds against us and say all kinds of lies about us, saying things we said we didn't say or saying we believe things we don't believe or we did things we didn't do. And so now there's this big mess. We were so excited. We had all these people coming to Jesus and then now there's all these people who are against us. And, and, and so, you know, we got this big mess and what do we do? We, we decide... You know, we do the only thing that makes sense. We keep talking. And so we stay there for a couple days and we keep telling them about Jesus and, and even the people who would refuse the message, we keep saying, here's who Jesus is. And then as we're talking, as we're sharing this, as we're continuing to talk about Jesus, God begins to do these amazing things. That, that every time I, I share, every time Barnabas, every time we start talking about Jesus, there's these, these miracles that start happening and these, these amazing signs from God where God is just saying, see, look, the message that Paul and Barnabas are saying is true. And, and we're watching people's being transformed by these miracles. And we're getting excited. We're thinking, man, this is going to be amazing. This whole city's going to come to believe. But that's not what happened actually actually what happened is the city stayed divided that no matter how many miracles we did there continued to be this group that kept going bigger that just didn't agree and refused to believe and so they started a plot and thankfully we found out they had a, a plot to kill us to actually trap us and 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 get rid of us and so we decided might be a good time to leave and, uh, and so we went and we found out about these cities, Lystra and Derby, where, where, where as far as we knew, no one had heard the gospel yet. And so we, we go out to Lystra and Derby, and I, and I go into the streets and I'm talking, and there, there's this man there, this man who he can't walk. And I found out later that he'd been born that way, that for his whole life, from the time he was a baby, he had not once been able to take a step. He just had to drag himself or have people carry himself everywhere. But I'm talking, I'm just talking about Jesus. And this man, this man is just staring at me. He's just looking at me. And, and, and he's just absorbing everything I say. And you can see, you can almost see the goosebumps on his arms as he's taking it in and he's realizing for the first time who Jesus is. And, 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 and I look at him and I, all of a sudden I realize it just, this man has the faith to be healed. So I look at him and I say, stand up. I, I don't know if he thought I was stupid. I don't know what everybody else thought. But this guy, this guy who, who never walked, like he, he, it, it's not like he just sort of puts one foot up. He, he jumps up. And he starts walking around like he had always known how to walk. He starts like strutting like with swagger. And he's walking around and all the people, they're amazed at this amazing miracle that Jehovah has done, that Jesus has done through us. And we're getting so excited. We're imagining these people coming and saying, we want to worship Jesus. But you know, the funny thing about miracles is that they can be explained away and that they can be confused and imagine my surprise when I see these people, instead of shouting out Jesus, they start shouting out Zeus, Hermes. And before I know it, there's this guy bringing cows with a knife. 
And I realized they're going to come and they're going to kill this cow and offer it to me and to Barnabas. And we're like, no, 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 stop. I don't want your dead cow. I don't want your live cow. And we try to explain to them, listen, listen, we're here telling you about the living God, trying to turn you away from all of this stuff so that you can know him. In the past, he let people make a choice and go whichever they want, but he did not leave without testimony. He still shows you who he is. He gives you rain. He gives you food. He puts joy in your heart. He continues to be here. And we continue to, to argue with them, but, but they just wanted to sacrifice. And we keep fighting, and eventually... We're able to convince them not to kill the cow. But then some of our old friends from Iconium and Pisidian Antioch showed up and, and they start spreading the same lies about us that they did before about in this crowd and this crowd starts to get angry and mad and before I know it, they've grabbed me and thrown me on the ground. The same ones who were amazed by the miracle, now they've got rocks in their hands and they just start throwing them at me and throwing them at me. I don't even know where Barnabas is at this point. The last thing I see is their angry faces with death in their eyes, throwing as hard as they can. And I think, that's it. When I open my eyes, I'm thinking, now I get to see Jesus Unfortunately, it was just Barnabas standing over me with some of the other people who come to believe, although I don't, I don't, I'm not complaining. And they look at me like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I, I, I think, no, I'm not okay. I just got stoned. But then I lift my foot up and I lift my other foot up and I realize I'm not even bruised. So I dust myself off and we go right back into Lystra. Although we decide it's probably not a good idea to, you know, stay there much longer since they just tried to kill me. So we decide that we're going to go to Derby next. And we go there. I believe that everything in that story is true. I believe that everything in that story actually happened, that there really was a blind, a lame man who couldn't walk, who was healed. That there really were signs and miracles done, that Paul and Barnabas really did preach the gospel and that many people, I really believe that. Not only do I believe that that happened, I believe it can happen today in Ahwatukee, in Chandler, in Phoenix, in our church, anywhere we go, that the same God, the same Jesus, the same Holy Spirit who did amazing things on that road trip in Paula Barnabas' adventure wants to do the same things right here in Mountain Park that we have the opportunity to experience the supernatural presence and activity of God. And not only do I think that it happened and not only do I believe that it can happen, I want it to happen. And I pray for it to happen. I want us to be a church, us to be a group of people who are fully surrendered to whatever God has for us, who are living out this great adventure who experience God's miraculous work in and through us. I want that here 
because this is what sets Christianity apart. Christianity doesn't exist because some guy sat in a cave and thought, I'm going to kind of create a religion. It happened because this guy named Jesus, Paul and Barnabas, are out on this mission because this guy named Jesus really came and lived an amazing, perfect life and really died and really came back to life. want to experience that same adventure in our church. So how do we do that? How do we make the most of the adventure that God has us on? Three things from this story for me about how we make the most of God's adventure, the adventure God has us on. Number one, pursue a godly purpose. If we want to experience adventure, God has us on, experience a godly purpose. Paul and Barnabas, they went off on, a, on, a, on an adventure based on God's purpose. They decided, hey, you know what? We want to advance God's purposes on the earth. And one of God's purposes for them, that meant that the one purpose that they picked out was to help people who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. That was it for this trip. They said this purpose, so, so we're gonna go. Now that, that wasn't always the case with Paul. He also, he also wrote, he also went to other churches to strengthen existing churches. He also wrote letters to people who already believed. So we're not talking about find your one purpose in life and do the only thing, do that one only thing the rest of your life, but pick a godly purpose if you wanna experience God and pursue it. Pursue that godly purpose. There's a ton of them out there. Maybe you're wondering, which one do I pick? Let me give you some options. And these all come right from Scripture. They're God's purposes. How we advance his purpose on the earth. Feed the hungry. Jesus says that whatever we do for the least of these, we do for him. We can advance God's purpose by feeding the hungry. By providing clothes for those who don't have them by caring for the fatherless, the orphans, those without parents, and caring for widows who've lost their husbands. Love your neighbor. Raise up the next generation to know, love, and follow Jesus. Love your spouse with the love of God. Show hospitality to people you don't even know to complete strangers. Put the needs of others above your own. This is a few. You can read in the Bible. There's a whole bunch more. Pick one and pursue it. Your biggest, I promise you, your biggest, most fulfilling adventures are tied directly to God's purposes for his kingdom. I had a great time on this road trip with my family, a great time. And we had some great spiritual moments. But you know what my favorite road trip of all time? I got the opportunity a while back to go on a trip to where we just did evangelism. And it was, at that time in my life, I had not done street evangelism, but I got to go out and just say, you know what, my whole purpose for my time in this city is to share the gospel. And I saw God do amazing things because of that. Your biggest adventures are tied to God's purposes. Alan talked about this when we first started this series. I'm praying, have you done that? Have you prayed and fasted and said, God, what's your next great adventure for me? If you haven't, write it down. Fast and pray. Even if you don't fast, just pray. Just read the Bible, talk to your mom, talk to your dad, talk to your brother, talk to your sister, talk to your friends. What purpose can I pursue? What godly purpose can I pursue? Number two, 
Pursue a godly purpose. Number two, enact a plan. Enact a plan, actually implement a plan to do something about it. Let me see some of you, some of you are like me, and you get an idea, and it stays an idea. Right? It's easy, and maybe you thought, man, this is my purpose, I, I, I got this, but you haven't actually taken steps to, to achieve that purpose. Paul and Barnabas, they decided, hey, we want people who don't know about Jesus to know about Jesus, so what did they do? Did they say, all right, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to just sit in my little tent, because Paul was a tent maker, and wait for people to come to me. No. Paul and Barnabas, they said, we're going to go to where there are people who don't know Jesus. We're going to go there, and we're going to introduce them. So we're going to enact a plan. We want that. We're going to actually go to where we can actually do that. What's your plan? Maybe you don't know where to start. And this is why we have so many things going on in our church. This is why we have so many programs and things to help you get a start in walking out a, a purpose, a godly purpose in your life, okay? It's why we have parenting events and parenting resources. You go to any of our, our student ministry, children's ministry area, we have resources, parenting resources you can take. We have parenting events we do throughout the year that are designed to help you not only be a good parent, but be a godly parent, to be a parent who is advancing God's kingdom in the heart of your child, who is laying a foundation of faith so that your child, as they grow up, they learn to know, love, and follow Jesus. We have our hope, men's hope and women's hope programs where people who are struggling with the brokenness of this world can find a community where they can experience God's love. And people will walk alongside them and pray with them. We're starting Marriage Mondays in a couple weeks. Where, where people who say, I, I need to be able to love my spouse the way God calls me to, can come anytime, show up on a Monday, and we'll help them walk forward in that. We've got food packing events with, with Hope for the Homeless and, and Feed My Starving Children. We have mission trips. We have all kinds of ways for you to take steps in walking out a plan that, that, that pursues a godly purpose. We have something actually really cool coming up um, uh, on the 29th. We have a, what we call a leader huddle. In the past, we've done these with our family ministries. Our family ministries has gathered all of the people who are, who, are, who are on God's mission, who are advancing God's purpose in the next generation, gather, and they get training. And, 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 and this one on the 29th, what's really cool is we're having multiple ministries, so our groups ministry and our classes and, 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 and our first touch ministry and, and all these different ministries are gonna be gathering together. And I'm so excited about this because these are people who have committed to pursuing God's purpose, not only in their own lives, but in the lives of others, in the lives of people in our community. I'm so excited to see what God does in and through those people. So pursue a godly purpose, implement a plan, and if that means getting plugged in here, that'd be great. We'd love to have you. You can go to the info table after service, and they can answer questions. Give us a call during the week. We'll help you get plugged in. Third thing, first review to make the most of God's adventure. We pursue a godly purpose. We implement a plan to pursue that purpose. And then we, we embrace God's perspective. If you're going to be in an adventure with God, it helps to know how he works, what his character is like, how he thinks, how he might lead you, how he might guide you. Okay? 
and I'm gonna give you an example, I'm gonna give you one perspective. There's tons of perspectives in the Bible. Reading, getting a biblical perspective is crucial. That's one of the key ways God is gonna guide you on your adventure. And, and, and in this scripture, I just wanna, one and, and, and maybe two, we'll see, but one particular perspective in this uh, section of scripture. And that perspective was crucial to Paul and Barnabas' journey. And it was this, believing in Jesus changes everything. Paul and Barnabas truly embraced that perspective that believing in Jesus changes everything. Acts 14.1, it says, at Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. What do you imagine in your head when you hear that? When you, what do you picture when you hear Jews and Greeks believed? Because I think the term that the Bible uses for belief is very different from the term we use for belief. I think that has a very different meaning, okay? Because we live in a time where, where the term beliefs can include things that don't really affect our life in any meaningful way. That, that we kind of use belief and knowledge a little bit interchangeably. We use those words, essentially, we use the word know and the word believe in similar. Give me an example. I believe that my body is made up of cells. And those cells have mitochondria in them. And they also have smooth endoplasmic reticulums and Golgi apparatus. I know that because I had biology. And I believe it. How many of you believe that you have Golgi apparatus inside you? Okay, now, how many of you, because you believe that, change, make a different decision about how you love your wife? Oh, I've got this Golgi apparatus here. I think that means I need to buy my wife some flowers. No, that's not a belief. That's just knowledge. But we confuse those things. And that's what we do with God. We confuse the knowledge with belief. But do you know what the word for belief is? Is this word pisteu, and it means to trust, to act as if something is true, that our decisions should be impacted by what we believe. You know, when you trust someone, pisteu is to trust. When you trust something, you are relying on them to fulfill a particular purpose. You go to an auto mechanic, why? Because you want them to fix your car, right? You are trusting them. You say, my car's broken. I trust you to fix my car. You go to a restaurant because you trust them to make food that's better than yours, right? And that won't poison you, okay? Uh, you you, you, you uh, go to the doctor because you trust them to help make you healthy. You, you trust in accordance with their purpose. Well, what's the purpose of Jesus? What's Jesus's purpose? John 10, 10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So if that's Jesus' purpose, what do we trust Jesus with? We trust him with our lives. He came to give us life now and afterward, bodies are dead and gone. So we trust him to give us that life here and in after our bodies are dead and gone. See, I have this, um, this lawn out in my backyard. And it's grass because when you have five kids and you're moving to Phoenix, you need grass. 
and uh, it's, a, it's, it's a pretty nice lawn, and the kids go out there and they play. But in my lawn, there are some brown patches. I know why there are brown patches in my lawn. There are brown patches in my lawn because my sprinkler system has some little defects in it that makes it so the water doesn't go to those areas. I know that. I know and I believe, I believe 100% that if I were to fix my sprinkler system, my grass would be green. Guess what color my lawn is today? Brown, not all of it, but yeah, I still have those brown patches. Why? Because I don't believe. No, I know. I know. I believe. But I don't prioritize it. I, I've, got, I, I've got other things I want to spend my money and my time on. See, to believe in Jesus isn't just to believe the way we b- believe the sprinkler could do that. To believe in Jesus is to prioritize him in every area of our lives. Colossians 3.17, Paul, the same Paul who's on this adventure says, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The Christian life is one of constantly growing and prioritizing Jesus in your relationships, in your marriage, in your friendships, in your work, in the way you drive your car down the freeway and someone cuts you off, when you're at the DMV, when you're filing your taxes. So in John, how, how many of you have heard that? You probably heard that the, 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 the scripture has become an axiom. Then they shall, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But you know what the verse right before it is? John eight thirty one. To the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Freedom does not come from knowing what Jesus taught. Freedom comes from applying what Jesus taught to our lives. When it says that these people believed in Jesus, it's saying that these people, their whole life changed. That that they decided that Jesus was a priority for them and that what he wanted was, was, was more important than what they wanted, that, that what they wanted to do with their lives was secondary to what Jesus wanted to do with their lives, that, that what they think is right and good is secondary to what Jesus says is right and good, that, that, that what they think about themselves is secondary to what Jesus says about themselves, that when Jesus says, if you believe in me, you are a child of God, and they would say, yes, no matter what I feel about me in this moment, that is who I am. This is why Paul and Barnabas were so committed to telling people about Jesus. Because it radically changed their lives. Do you believe that Jesus changes everything? That believing in Jesus changes everything? You know, I think sometimes that there are some atheists and agnostics who get this better than we do. I remember when I was, um, I was on a road trip with a friend of mine. I'm still young. I'm just... I'm still yawn, just sitting in the glasses here. Um, I was on a road trip with an atheist friend of mine. And uh, uh, we had three days together, and we're driving in this car, and w- the topic of faith comes up, and we're really good friends, so we can have honest conversation. It was a really healthy, respectful exchange. And because I had been an atheist for much of my life, I knew exactly what questions, I understood the questions he was asking, I understood the struggles he was having, I was able to talk about those things. He'd say, what about this? And I'd say, yeah, I've thought about, well, here's this and this, and we, we're talking, and we're going back and forth. And, and, and finally, 
on the last day we were together. And it was, again, it was a really healthy, loving, respectful change. But I always remember what he said near the end. He, he looked at me and he said, you know what, Jan? The truth is, if I really wanted to figure this out, if I really wanted to figure out if there was a God, if I really wanted, if I really cared about that, I would believe the same way that you do. But I like my life the way it is. I don't want to change my life. I like how I live. I like being able to, I don't want someone preaching at me and telling me what to do. I don't want to have to read some book and let it tell me what to do. I want to be able to live my life the way that I want it. And I really appreciated his honesty. And I appreciated that he understood that if he knew, see, he knew that if he chose to believe in Jesus, that meant more than attending church on Sunday. It meant he had to change how he loved his wife. It meant he had to change how he spent his money. He knew that, and he didn't want that. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you something. Is your relationship with Jesus... Well, let me rephrase that. Is church attendance the only thing or even the main thing that distinguishes your life from the life of your unbelieving friends and family. And if I were to look at the life of your unbelieving family, uh, friends or family, and hold it next to yours, is the, is the main thing, the main thing that I see different, the fact that you attend church on Sunday and they don't. Or while I see differences in how you treat your spouse between you and them, well, I see differences in how you spend your money, well, I see differences. Well, God, if he sets those lives up, because that's his plan. That's his adventure for you. That God's adventure for you is for you to prioritize Jesus in every area of your life. And as you do that, you will begin to experience him in supernatural, powerful ways. So how do we make the most of God's adventure? The adventure God has for us. We pursue a godly purpose. We implement a plan. And we embrace God's perspective. And especially that Jesus changes everything. Which one of those do you need to do today or this week? And, and let me just warn you, uh, prioritizing Jesus in every of your life sometimes means not being popular if you haven't watched news or read a lot on online, you probably haven't realized this yet. But sometimes prioritizing Jesus in every area of your life means that there's people. Just like there were people who tried to hurt Paul and Barnabas, there'll be people who slander you. And you're going to have to decide that God's purpose is greater than my popularity. But where are you in that process? Have you picked? Have you embraced? Are you pursuing a particular purpose of God's kingdom? Have you enacted a plan? Are you embracing his perspective? Would you pray with me? Lord, first of all, I want to thank you for the journey that you've had me on. I want to thank you that while I was yet a sinner, while I was yet denying your existence, while I was saying, I don't want God in my life, you continued to pursue me and make yourself known through people and through supernatural circumstances. 
And I pray that you do the same in the lives of every person here today. I pray that your words would go deep into their heart, God. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be revealing to them more clearly who you are. I pray that as they trust you, God, and, and I don't know what part they need to trust you with, what area of life. It, it, it may be someone, God, who's just for the first time gonna prioritize you in something, whether it's prioritizing you just in praying to you for the first time, or it's prioritizing you in their marriage, or prioritizing you just by opening your Bible and for the first time ever reading your word, or prioritizing you in their finances, and whatever the case may be, would you lead them to that next step, God? And as they take that next step, Lord, I ask, and, and, and I ask that the Holy Spirit, that you would, would honor them as they take that step and that they would sense you with them and that you would bless them and that they would see you as they trust and as they follow you. They would grow in their knowledge of Jesus. Lord, we give our hearts to you and it's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you guys so much for coming. Hope you have a great road trip this week and we'll see you back next Sunday.